Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Stacking the Box. It is cut-down day across the NFL landscape. We've already seen some come in. We are recording this at noon Eastern, 11 Central Time. If you're listening, I'm going to announce the new co-host of Stacking the Box. If you're watching, you already see the man and his mustache on the television screen or your computer screen, wherever you may be watching this. So let's get right into it. So last week, had Cody Williams come on. Took over for Carm. Did a great job. I want to thank Cody so much. Day after that, organizational restructuring. So Cody is a man who is deep in the weeds of all things college football. God bless him. Good for him. I'm sure we'll have him on playing throughout the year. But the new permanent co-host of Sack in the Box is none other than Sterling Holmes, who I'm sure many of you are familiar with if you listen to the works over at ESPN Radio and Candy, but we'll cover all things NFL here for us. You'll be taking over the seat for the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Carmen. Sir, welcome into Stack the Box. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Great to be here. Thank you, Verderam. Uh, I'm glad I was number two, by the way. I'm used to that by now, okay? I'm used to being number two. No, I'm very excited to be here. Looking forward to this. I get to talk to you more. This is just a win for me. I'm sorry. Um, but listen, we'll, we'll have some fun. We'll have a good time. Again, if you, if you watch, if you're a Chiefs fan, you watch the Art Hack podcast, you're very familiar with, with uh, Sterling, who, of course, works with Matt Connor on Tuesdays, and then during the season, we're all around on Sundays for the most part, um, and certainly none of that will change. But, you know, look, man, you join on a good day because it's it's really in a lot of ways um, – it's kind of the, like the official, official start of the new year. I mean, yeah, you have the preseason, sure, but you have 90-man rosters. A lot of those guys, of course, not going to make the team. Now you're cutting from 90 to 53, or, well, essentially from 75 to 53. I should be more accurate. They've already cut 75. Um, across the league, we've seen some movement today. We've seen uh, the Saints and the Eagles execute a trade which i don't i don't think many expected you had chauncey gardner johnson who is a very good db who's going to play a little nickel maybe a little safety over there has played nickel primarily with new orleans he goes from the saints to the eagles really for a song the eagles gave up very little a couple of late round picks and the eagles even got a seventh round in the back uh we've seen a couple name guys get cut oj howard getting cut in buffalo the tight end there a former first round pick we've seen josh gordon getting released in Kansas City. Uh, what has stood out to you in the early hours of Tuesday here as these teams are starting to get to their final rosters? 
the Eagles are deciding to cut all of their safeties, and then they bring in what has traditionally been a cornerback in Gardner, right, from the Saints. Right. I believe he's going to be playing a lot of safety for the Eagles this season. The Eagles have had a hella of an offseason. They look much improved. If Jalen Hurts is the guy, that's someone to look out for that team. As far as Kansas City goes, uh, I feel like Danny Shelton and Taylor Stallworth from reports both being yeah. released. That was surprising because that obviously means they like the young guys there. Uh, Tony Jefferson being released, uh, getting cut from the Ravens. That was a little bit of a surprise. Tyron Matthew obviously was tweeting out little cryptic messages. He could leave Kansas City. Doesn't matter where he's at. That Twitter account is going to get him in trouble. Saying, now, find him on IG. But those so far have been the biggest storylines for me. I guess you could also say with the Ravens, they're bringing in Kenyon Drake. Don't know what that means for J.K. Dobbins as far as his health. Uh, What does that mean for their six-round pick from Missouri, uh, Tyler Beatty? What does that say about him? But if he's going there and they say reports at least that they're interested in Kenyon Drake, a little shakedown going on in the Ravens' backfield. Yeah, look, it's it's interesting, right? I mean, I'm I'm waiting for there's always going to be a half dozen cuts today. You're like, wow, that that really surprised most people, even people like ultra ultra plugged in like a chef or a rapport stuff like that. Um, you know, the Broncos they made a trade ten minutes ago. They traded uh, Malik Reed, who's a linebacker, to the Steelers for late round compensation. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I know maybe some people out there are like who he's a really good defensive back. Like, and I think, you know, and it was asked in the chat by Joshua, is this a, just another example of the Saints cap issues or an actual breakup? Probably a little bit of both, but I would say a lot of cap issues. Like, he's a free agent after this year. They can't sign everybody. Like, no, Mickey Loomis, when he retires from being the GM of the Saints, they will own 25 years in dead cap. I mean, that team, they just keep signing guys. It's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, I remember one year, it was probably about five years ago, a fourth of their cap was dead money. But they just, like, I don't care. We're pushing it back. Like all these like voidable years that are basically just dead cap guarantees. I've never seen a franchise that's more into just, hey, whatever. Which I, I understood a little bit with Drew Brees because you're trying to keep that window open as much as possible. But now like, and I like the Saints this year, by the way. I think they're going to be a playoff team. You're not winning the Super Bowl. Like, what are you doing? Like why you just you just keep tacking, dude. They are going to be rancid for a decade at some point. Like when that bill comes due, they're like your buddy down the street that you know makes a you know a, a moderate salary, and yet owns like a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar house and has a boat and has a Mercedes out front, and you know he's just maxing out Amexes left and right. And you're like, bro, you at some point have to pay more than the minimum balance, like. <laughs> When that comes due, you're going to be living in my tool shed. Like, what are you doing? That's the Saints as a football fan. Well, let's see. That guy, he's just hoping he can live until he passes away, and then he's golden. No longer does he have to pay the bills. Saints are just going, until the NFL folds, we're just going to keep pushing it back. That's the game plan. I, I understand with, with Drew Brees, like you mentioned. I think they're a good team this year. They went all in with Drew Brees, and they're going to have to pay this eventually. They can't keep everyone. You're correct. They bring in Tyron Matthew on a relatively team-friendly deal. But that's still a decent contract, especially for a safety. They're not even paying a QB a ton of money. It's Jameis Winston. Nope. He's getting paid a decent amount. 
but he's not getting paid QB one money. He's not, you look around the NFL, that's a drop in the hat. Imagine if they're paying a QB. They won't be able to draft a QB and try and pay him that second contract. That would be fascinating. Like if they draft a quarterback and you're getting like the fifth year option, they're like, all right, guys, well, we're going we're gonna to be playing with like 52 guys off a of practice squad and this guy. <laughs> but look, the Saints, they lose, they lose Gardner Johnson. The Eagles, who I think have had the best offseason of any team in football. And I wrote about it back in July. I, I went deep into my source pool and talked to people around the team and, and got an idea of exactly what they did and why they did it. And I think the Eagles really genuinely have had the best offseason of any team in the league. Now they add another piece. They're going to be really tough. We're actually going to talk about the Eagles a little bit later. I actually wrote this outline before uh, that trade went down. So it just so happened to work out. But um, look, we're going to get to them a little bit more. I want to stay, though, quickly in the NFC South. So I'm guessing you probably got to see this. Tom Brady's presser after his game on Saturday in Indianapolis. And he played a little bit in the game, not of note. Um, but he talked about his week-and-a-half-long app that was pre going into training camp. He had cleared it with Todd Bowles, the, head, the new head coach there. I'm not going to sit here and speculate like why he wasn't there for 10 days. I'm not going to get into all that. That's none of my business, not my concern. What I will say is at that podium, he looked, he looked very tired. He looked almost, I don't want to say annoyed, but just kind of haggard. Like he almost didn't want to be there. He almost felt like he had to be there. It was weird. I mean, you don't normally see Brady like that. Um, do you, after all that's gone on this off season, the retirement, then he unretires and there's a tampering stuff in Miami. Then Arians is, is stepping down and now it's Todd Bowles. And then all of his offensive linemen in front of him are hurt. Do you think that he wants to be there this season? Or do you think he'd rather maybe be home? I think he does want to be there, but I think at this point in his career, he just wants the games to start. He doesn't care about the preseason. He's over this. I mean, you're over this. At this point, you're what, 45? You've been in the NFL for 20-plus years. You've gone through so many situations where you're getting asked questions. Eventually, you're just over it. You're done. There's so many moving parts, and he knows he's going to get asked about all of it. You know you're getting asked about the coaching change. You know you're getting asked about you're 45 now. You know he's getting asked about his retirement. You know you're getting asked about the offensive line and all the injuries. At some point, you're just sitting here, you guys know this. You can see. Yeah, the offensive line is going to be a major issue. What do you want me to say about it? I think Tom Brady's just, yeah. he's over it. And by the way, the, the folks that said that Tom Brady looks like death, if that's what death looks like, sign me up. That dude still looks good, okay? I think people are overblowing this. <laughs> he's somehow gotten, he's gotten better looking over the last 20 years. I don't know how it's, he's, he's like, he's like the, oh, you um, know how. well, look, I, you know, he, he, just it's incredible. If you look at pictures of him when he's 22 and now he's 45, you're like the guy's a better looking man now. It's amazing. Um, it's, it's really, it's truly a feat. Um, but you know, I do think, I, I think he wants to play ball, but I do wonder with him if there's a little part of him that's like, you know, man, I could have just stayed home. <laughs> I could have just, like, I could have just retired, would have been a little bit easier. I, I Jeremy said it in the chat. I don't think Tampa. Like I, that's that's my two cents. I think he'd like to be in Miami with Sean Payton, and he's good, man. Like they don't need any more money. They don't need you know. He's got seven rings. I think he would like to play a year in Miami with Payton, 
who's a very similar person in terms of like personality, you know, very intense, very into what they do. Um, I don't, I don't know that he fully believes in what's going on in Tampa right now. And, and like, that's all conjecture. I could be dead wrong. And maybe I, maybe if you were sitting here, he'd be like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Fine. Fair enough. But you know, it's been pretty detailed. Like he was trying to get himself to Miami. I mean, that, that, that's not exactly a state secret anymore. And so you just wonder, you know, I'm sure there was part of him. It was like, all right, well, you know, at least in Tampa, I got an offensive line. Then Jensen goes down. Now Stinney goes down. You're sitting there and you're like, now I don't even have that. Like now, like the tackles are good, but the interior is a disaster. And I don't know what to do about this. I just, when the lights turn on, he'll still be Tom Brady. He will still be that guy. He, he doesn't know any other way to be. But I wonder if like, like on a Wednesday, we're like, all right, man, it's practice. If he's like, eh, shit, it's practice. All right, fine. Like, maybe not. Maybe he goes out and is the MVP of the league, but it's just kind of how I see it. He also, at least a little interesting tidbit here, during the COVID season when they were supposed to not be practicing, he basically said screw it and was going with receivers, getting extra yep. work in. Remember that? That was, yep. what, two years ago now? And yep. that's a little different change from this. That was a guy putting in the extra work. I'm not saying he didn't do it this offseason, but what we saw on the podium does not scream this guy putting in extra work when you're not supposed to in the offseason. I, I just think, again, I, I just, you know, it, it's one of those things where, like, if okay, Aaron Rodgers is aging. He's not 45 years old, but he's aging. He's also tremendous. He's had two MVP seasons back-to-back. The reason I bring him up is I, I think for him, like, there's still so, so much to prove, right? Even though he's won a Super Bowl, even though he's won a bunch of MVP awards, I do think with him, there's got to be a part of him where you're like, you know what, man, I, like, Everybody's sitting there going, yeah, if you haven't been to a Super Bowl in over a decade, like, I got I to gotta win one more. All these playoff failures in recent years. You just wonder, like, for him, there's that obvious motivation. For Russell Wilson, there's obvious motivation this year. What is Tom Brady's motivation? Other than the fact that he loves football. Like, what is it? It's not money. He's going to get more at Fox, right? Like, like what is – like, what is the motivation to be like, man, I got, I just, I've got to do it. Is it just literally, I, I'm Tom Brady and I love football? Because that, that may be enough. Hell, it was enough a couple of years ago. But I, I do wonder at this point, like, is he still as motivated as he's been? Uh, I would say he does not want to go to Target on a Sunday yet. That's his motivation. Yeah, well, that's that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I got to tell you, I was at Target yesterday. I don't want to go to Target ever. Right. <laughs> I had to help my daughter find all of her stuff for dance and oh my god yeah you you try finding a four-year-old tap shoes okay um and tights and a leotard and ballerina slippers and oh yeah oh yeah okay you try doing that while you're while your five-month-old is screaming at you from the part um it's like a hostage negotiation all right um let's let's keep the train rolling at yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna see to you, sir. You're you're the uh, pilot of the the, uh, the the plane now. So as we move into the future, I will I will turn it over to you here as you uh, uh, let's do it with these topics. Let's do it, and let's not talk about you uh, at Target anymore. I want to ask you, who do you have in the NFC East? Cowboys, Eagles, Washington? Are they going to surprise? No, no, they're not. And and neither the Giants. I'm glad you didn't even bring them up. Uh, 
So, like I said, wrote the outline here before we even saw this trade. I, I will say Dallas, and I'm very hesitant to do it because I think the Eagles have the better coach, and I think the Eagles have the better overall roster by a somewhat significant margin at this point. Like, they, they have more talent than the Cowboys. So it's like, why would you, why would you pick the Cowboys? The quarterback. The quarterback. That, that's why. Because I'm worried like, – and I like Jalen Hurts. I truly do. But I worry about whether or not the win 11, 12, 13 games with Jalen Hurts. If he doesn't massively improve, I think they're like a 9-10 to 10 win team, which is good, but I think the Cowboys are probably an 11-win team or so. Yeah. I, I want to go with the Eagles. I lived in Philly. The first year I moved to Philly, they won the Super Bowl. You better believe I was downtown uh, celebrating, and it wasn't right, I promise. I want to go with the Eagles. I can't do it. It's the quarterback situation. I'm not saying Dak Prescott is a top-five quarterback, but I believe in him more than I believe in Jalen Hurts. That's what it comes down to. I think the receivers in Dallas – they have a good rapport with Dak. I like Dalton Schultz. The offensive line is solid. It's not what it once was. It's not the offensive line of a few seasons ago where they were just dominating guys. Tyrants but also, hurts. yeah. And I also enjoy some of the talks of the potential for Tony Pollard to play in the slot. That way, you get both Tony Pollard and Zeke on the field at the same time. I'm not a huge Zeke believer. I think there's cases to be made that Tony Pollard's the better back overall at this point. But I do think Zeke has a lot to prove, and he's fine in between the tackles. I, I want to go with the Eagles, but I'm going with the Cowboys for the same reason you are, the quarterback situation. Yeah, I just I, – I can't, I can't pick Dak not to win that division based on the quarterback play. I just can't. Like, I think he's a top-10 quarterback. I think he's right in that border, but I think he's a top-10 quarterback. Like, I like Hurts a lot, but you got you got to – Throw for 4,000 yards in a season. You got to throw for 25, 30 touchdowns. Maybe he does this year. But if he doesn't, then I think they're limited. And no matter how talented you are, it just it doesn't matter. Like, it's the same reason I don't believe in Miami. It's the exact same reason. I think they're very similar teams. I think the Eagles are better. I think the Eagles will make the playoffs. I don't think Miami's going to. But I, I think it's the same reason I struggle to get fully on board with the Dolphins. As far as who has more receiving yards in 2022, keeping it with the Dolphins, is it going to be Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams? Look, man, I I think both guys are going to have great years. I really do. But I'm going with Adams. They they have a better quarterback situation in Vegas. Say whatever you want about Derek Carr. He almost threw for 5,000 yards last year. I mean, if you're throwing for 5,000 yards, you're, you're pretty damn good. I think Carr is one of the more underrated players in football. I really do. I, I think he's a very, very good player. And the, my only concern with this is Waller. Does he does he eat up a bunch of targets? Uh, does Renfro eat up a bunch of targets? And so you're just spreading it out more where in Miami. I know they have Kasiki, a tight end. I get it. He's not Waller. And they have Waddle. But I'm going with Adams. I just think Carr is going to go aggressively at Adams over and over and over and over. And over. I, I, I think their chemistry from Fresno State seems to be rekindled. Um, I think Hill's going to clear a thousand yards. 
But I think Adams might be real, really up there, you know, 13, 1400 yards. I, I just, I think he's going to have a huge year with the Raiders, where I think the Dolphins are more run based offense. I don't think Tua is as good as Carr. So I'll, I'll roll with Adams. Carr is the better quarterback. I'm with you. He's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. Again, it's fun to rip on him. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Chiefs guy. So it's fun to rip on Derek Carr, especially when you look like a dude from a 1980s hair metal band with the eyeliner. I mean, come on. But I I do think Tyreek Hill has more yards than Devontae Adams. And I think the reason comes down to early on, I could see Carr and Adams not being on the same page. Adams destroyed other teams with Aaron Rodgers on that one play. No one could stop. The turn back towards the sideline. You, you, You could not stop that. It was incredible, and I just don't know if Derek Carr will be on the same page early on with Adams, and that's why I think it's going to be Tyreek Hill. I'm not saying Tua Tagovailoa is this incredible quarterback, but I do think it was overblown, that 54-yard pass to Tyreek Hill. Everyone keeps saying, well, Mahomes would have hit him in stride. Sure, but Mahomes also occasionally underthrew him too. It's not like you can take that one play and say, this is what Tua's going to do every single time. By the way, it was still a 54-yard game. I think Tyreek Hill is going to be in the spotlight, not only with his podcast, but also with the game plan. He knows what he's bringing to that team. He's demanding almost to be the guy. They better get him the ball or he's going to start complaining. I think Tyreek Hill has more yards than Devontae Adams. You know what? Look, it, the thing that really comes it comes down to for me is just, again, the quarterback. I... I know two anons out there, okay? Like, I get it. And there's this whole thing about you got to believe in him. He's going to show everybody. I am concerned about the PR push coming out of Miami. I mean, it has been, unlike anything I can remember, about how great Tua looks and how great he is and how could how dare you worry about him and he's going to be awesome. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, I have two years of evidence that says that he's, he's not going to be. Like, I, I have two years of evidence – if you watch the mechanics on that 51-yard throw to Hill, and I know Dolphins fans, if they hear this, are going to roll their eyes, and I'm probably going to get like a negative review off it, and that's fine. I've got <laughs> many in my life, a podcast and otherwise. Okay, but he throws the ball like it's a javelin. Like his arms like all the way back, his feet are in the wrong place. You're just like, bro, you got like, what What happened? I mean, I, I just worry about – also, I don't believe in Miami's offensive line. Like, I know they've went out and they're like, oh, they got Teron Armstead. Teron Armstead plays half the games every year. And Connor Williams was a borderline guy in Dallas. Like, I I think Miami's more fun this year. I don't think Miami's go- – you know, look, I know this isn't on the rundown. I wanted to ask you quickly since we haven't had the chance to do this throughout the preseason. Do you think the Dolphins are a playoff team? No, I do not. Okay. You do not. Do you think they're better than New England? Yes, I think New England's a six-win roster, but Bill Belichick will probably make them win seven to eight games tops. Okay, so we're in the same boat. I feel the exact same way. All right, so I think Miami's interesting. I also think anytime Miami plays a team with a really good quarterback, it's going to be, two. you got to go out there and throw for 300 yards today, and it's going to be, I got 180 in me. All right, <laughs> like – like I think two is the quarterback version of like that, that, that old saying of the running back that, hey, you need two yards, I'll get you three yards. You need four yards, I'll get you three yards. Like, I just – I think that's where we're going. Also, do you have any concern about 
Tyreek Hill in Miami just based on this offseason, or do you not care at all? As far as concern, just the, all the noise that has come out of Miami, specifically from Tyreek Hill. Oh, yeah. I There's a reason why it felt like the Chiefs didn't put Tyreek Hill on the podium a whole bunch. <laughs> there seems to be a theme here. I think Tyreek Hill is a phenomenal player, but I do think Miami backed themselves into a corner, which again, this is when it comes back to the yard situation. I do think if Tyreek Hill's not getting the ball, and he's still doing this podcast, you're going to hear him complain. You're going to hear him start saying, give me the ball, feed me the rock. Remember DK Metcalf? Uh, I forget what game it was, but he was complaining that he was not getting the ball enough. The very next possession, Russell Wilson threw a pick six trying to target DK Metcalf. I think it's going to be the same thing this year. He might almost be a hindrance in some situations because he's going to demand the ball. He's a great player, probably the best player with the ball in his hands in the NFL. But if you try and force feed a guy in the NFL, cornerbacks are good enough. Defenses are good enough to scheme, jump the route occasionally. Two is going to have some issues. I just, like, you you hit on exactly what I was going to say, which is in six years in Kansas City, how many radio shows Tyreek Hill was doing? Zero. Okay. How many times he was on a podcast? Pretty sure the answer is zero. Like, you're right. Also, like you saw Mahomes, you saw Kelsey a lot. You saw Honey Badger. You saw saw Chris Jones. You didn't get a whole lot of Tyreek at the podium after a hundred yard game. Like, just, they were. I mean, look, the Chiefs are notorious for that anyway. They're very, very careful with who they let speak and who they don't. All that stuff. But they were very protective. I, let's put it this. I will. I'll leave it at this. I'm gonna go ahead and say that podcast would not be live if he was in Kansas City right now, okay? But when you get paid $30 million a year, it's, it's, and, you, and you're the guy, not only in the receiver room, he's, he's the guy on that team, okay? Mm-hmm. When you're the guy, it's a lot harder to control you. Mike McDaniel has no control compared to Andy Reid. Andy Reid's got a ring. Andy Reid's going to the Hall of Fame. If you're Tyree Kill, you're like, what is Mike McDaniel going to say to me? How many? How much money am I getting paid comparatively? Like, who's saying anything? He's the highest paid player on the team, right? Like, you, the coach is a rookie head coach. The quarterback has absolutely no ability to say anything to him. In Kansas City, you you had Andy, you you had Patrick Mahomes, you you had Travis Kelsey. You like, there's no like, there's no way you're controlling that now. Like, if, if Tyreek wants to say something or do, he's doing it. And I, I am interested to see how that plays out over the course of this contract in Miami. Let's go to into the future number three. How many teams go from worst to first? So, all right, this is an interesting one for me because when I do when I did my picks in May when the schedule came out, and and I always will update my picks as, as we go along here. Um, I don't think I had any going from worst to first. But I'm going to say one because I think I'll just I'll be wrong in one case. Like I'm sure there will be some team that will do it. But what the reason I put this on here is okay, so here are the last place teams in the NFC from a year ago. The Giants, dumpster fire, no chance. Okay. The Lions, I think are better. They're not winning that division. Uh the Panthers who are an atrocity, they're not winning that division. And Seattle who is worse than they were a year ago. So those five, just or those four, excuse me, click them right off. 
Then you go to the AFC East. The Jets, hilarious. No chance in hell. So that's fine. So now you've got – but now you get the three ones that to me are actually interesting. Denver, obviously much improved. Jacksonville, who is much improved in a, in a weaker division. And Baltimore, who might be the best team I've ever seen that was in last place, and mostly because of injuries. If I had to pick, I have Baltimore being very, very good this year. I had them finishing, I think, tied with the Bengals and, like, losing the breaker. Baltimore would be my pick. I think of these teams, Baltimore would be pick. I think Jacksonville's much better. I don't know that I think they're better than the Colts. I think that's still elite, but I think Jacksonville's much better. They actually have a head coach. Jacksonville, with the aggressive ploy last year of being the first NFL team to not have a head coach, now have a head coach. And then Denver, like, I think Denver's better. But I don't even think they're the best. I don't think they're one of the two best teams in the division. Like I think the Chiefs and Chargers are both better than Denver. So I will say one, and I'll say if it's one, it's Baltimore. What say you? Yeah, I say Baltimore, and I have them winning that division. Uh, it's nothing against the Bengals, but I want to see it again. Uh, I, I like Joe Burrow, but I like Lamar Jackson better as far as how the the team is structured around him, as far as what Baltimore can do when healthy. They're a perennial playoff team, right? Last year was yes, when the no entire doubt. team was decimated. We've seen a longer track record from Baltimore and Lamar Jackson than we have from Joe Burrow. Unfair? Sure, you can, you can make the case. But still, I'm fair, going, still true, I think fair. I'm going with Baltimore over Cincinnati, but I do think Jacksonville is an interesting one. I don't have them over the Colts, but I would not be shocked if they were over the Titans. Titans? I've picked him for about two straight years to fall off. They've made me look like an absolute buffoon, but eventually I'm going to be right. So I have the Titans falling off, and potentially Jacksonville can get that number two spot in the AFC South. Or Jacksonville, so, yeah. Where, where do you, again, because obviously here your your first uh, show on the saddle here, where where do you fall on Denver? I have said all offseason, for the record, I've said all offseason. They're clearly better. I have, but they and the Niners to me are the two teams that are that are of note that I I just cannot get a you know I, I can't get a finger on I can't get the pulse of I don't know I think the Niners are probably the better team I just think they have a better roster um, but but Lance I have no idea what he's going to be um, and Wilson I I know is is a great quarterback who maybe is starting to slowly regress we'll find out do you do you like Denver as a playoff team, a division a division winner, a non-playoff team. Where do you fall on the Broncos? I have them as a playoff team, but I have them barely getting in. I have them so third so in I. the AFC West. I think they're a good team. I do think Russell Wilson is on the decline, but I think he is so much of an upgrade over what they had last year with a very good team overall, solid defense, uh, I'm not worried about Vic Fangio leaving and all of a sudden the defense goes just completely out the window. I don't think that's going to be the case. The players are good. Vic Fangio had a good scheme, but I think the players are good enough that it's not going to be a complete disaster. I, I, I like them as the third seed in the AFC West, barely making the playoffs. I, uh, I, I agree with you. In fact, that's exactly – I think I had them as a seventh seed. So we're in the same boat. I, I think they're like a 10-win team, mm-hmm. a 9 or 10-win team. I, I, I'm i more worried about the defense than you are. I do not think the team is good defensively. Everybody's mm-hmm. going like, – Simmons and Sertan are great. Chubb's really good. Mm-hmm. I think Gregory – they paid Gregory $70 million. He has 16 sacks in his career. 
There are guys that have more than that in a season. Like I, I just that that is the one thing, man. I like their signing of DJ Jones inside. I think I think overall, I mean, I, I love the trade of Wilson. I know they give up a lot. I still like the trade. I, that signing with Gregory, I, I just don't get it. Like you know what, my I, I've said this before on this podcast. I'll say it again. My father has a saying. He said it to me since I was a kid, and I will I fully believe it. Potential's a fancy word for saying you've never done shit. And it's it to me like there's so many like the Gregory thing is that that applicable or it, it's applicable to Gregory. I, I look at it, it's like I always hear people like, oh, you know, he's got all this, he's got all that, he's got potential. Yeah, but he's 30 years old. He's in a sack. Like it's insane. I mean, people in Kansas City are killing Frank Clark. Frank Clark's been more productive than that. Speaking of Kansas City, let's bring in the man from Kansas City, uh, another man from Kansas City, as it may be. Ben Heisler. Heisler, what's going on? Verderam, Sterling, what's going on, fellas? How are you? Mm, doing well. Doing well. You gearing up now? You ready for uh, you ready for the regular season? Ready to hopefully win some money over there at Betside? That would be ideal. I figure we've put in enough time and effort into like hundreds of different prop articles and previews and analysis and, and trying to get everything in order that, yeah, it would be – it would be nice if occasionally a few of those probably come through for us over the course of the year. So, yes, very excited for NFL. I know that uh, our guy's also big on college football as well. It's just it's nice to have this time of the year back because for the last several months, we've been trying to come up with concepts and ideas and ways to bet on the offseason. Now we can actually bet on games, and that's very ideal. I, I, I hope you guys enjoyed the Northwestern Nebraska game in Dublin, where, by the way, uh, Carm, who is, is from the podcast, essentially just just he's left us in the wind. But uh, he was at he was at the game in Dublin, and his Northwestern Wildcats won. So good for Carm. Um, I was watching that game. Now, now, let me put this straight away. Okay, I don't give a shit about college football in terms of I am not a fan of any of the teams. I watch it, I enjoy it, but I'm not a fan. Like I don't have a team. That I'm all in. I try as a kid. I was like, I'll get into Notre Dame. Never stuck, right? No. Hey, I'm, it's a home. Look at that. Look, I'm from New York. Yeah. What am I going to root for? Rutgers? That's the way to live. <laughs> okay. So I tried to get into the Fighting Irish. I love Rudy the movie, right? Joe Montana. I was like, I'll get into Notre Dame. Never, never stuck. Never cared. So I don't care about any of these teams. Watching Nebraska, that is one of the most embarrassing things I've seen in a long time. <laughs> like. Here you are. You're Nebraska, for God's sakes. I mean, you used to win national titles, and you're losing a Northwestern because you can't coach a football game like a normal team. It's awful. It's so bad. And by the way, though, to, to just dovetail off that quickly, say in college, though, Alabama and Texas opening up the season this year against each other, I look forward to Alabama beating them by 50 points. And everybody in Texas just being in mourning afterwards. So I'm 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 ready for that. Bring on college football. It's it's been very amusing. And and, and certainly correct me if I'm wrong. You're a, a Mizzou fan, correct? Oh yeah, big time Mizzou fan. That's why I was giving Verdrand a dirty look. Notre Dame, Fairweather fan. Some you a Lakers fan too? Maybe some KU basketball well, in there. I'm a Nick fan. I'm in deep pain. <laughs> the the reason I bring that up is because I'm I'm an Indiana football fan, and I feel like. Indiana and Mizzou have that same type of relatability in just finding the most painful ways to watch our teams inevitably lose games. And now all of a sudden we're starting to see Nebraska morph into the combination of those two teams. It's been fun. It's been amusing. Like I I have friends of mine, like good friends of mine. I care about these people, but 
watching them suffer, watching the Cornhuskers continue to lose games, I am just at a place where I can say, now you know. Now you know what it's like. It's been sitting in front of you for a while. You've been ducktailing this entire year. Go ahead and enjoy this suffering. And then when things finally get better, then you'll be on the same ground as the rest of us. By the way, I got to just say, I mean, also, you're named after a vegetable, for Christ's sake. A corn husker. As an Indiana fan and as a graduate of of Indiana University, like, I I can't really give anybody. (laughs) No, you can't say anything. You lived in a cornfield for four years. (laughs) Neither here nor there. It is a lovely place. It, it is a fun school. But, I mean, the, the Hoosiers. Nobody knows what a Hoosier is except people who live in Indiana. We don't have a mascot because the name of the team is just a native of the state of Indiana. Like, you want to come <laughs> up with all the mascot ideas? Please, be my guest for what a Hoosier is supposed to look like. But it shows us the mascot is Gene Hackman. You know what? I will take a walking around Gene Hackman in a big head any day of the week than whatever is probably looming in the, the brain of the collective at, at Indiana University right now. I will say this about Indiana fans, though. They're passionate. My uncle has a basketball tattoo. It's a flaming basketball, and it says, Who's your daddy? As in oh, Indiana wow. Hoosier. Yeah, yeah. So There's Indiana fans. out at, at pool halls and drink, and drink Pabst Blue Ribbon? He does. He uh, rides a motorcycle and has a goatee. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you nailed it. I, I, well, that tattoo paints quite a picture. Um, you know, I, I won't, I won't go further than that out of respect for the Holmes family. That, you know, he's got a tattoo on his shoulder of like Tweety Bird doing curls. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know that guy. I've met that guy many a time. Um, been, been drinking at the bar with him in college at about 2 a.m. when everybody else is laughing. He's still sitting there. He's like, you know, I went to college in 1978. Good times, man. At least, at least that guy got to see an, you know, an Indiana basketball team play well. I, I came at the worst possible time. I got the two years of Kelvin Sampson and the first two years of Tom Crean where they won like 12 games in total. It's supposed to be a basketball school. Get the hell out of here. Nice job by you. Wait, wait yeah. to time it up. I, I, I time it perfectly every time. You guys know that. All right. What the hell do you have this week from, uh, from the betting world, Heisling? I'm looking at the week one slate. I figure it's time, right? Let's let's go ahead and, and dive into a few of these matchups. And I kind of wanted to, to start things off this week by saying a week one is, is always a fun time to kind of look at the, the odds on the board and try to evaluate, you know, oddsmakers are going in pretty much as blind as we are. You know, this is the best week for value. Let's try to find a couple dogs on the board that we can feel pretty good about and, and maybe surprise some people this week. So I got three right. for you guys. I was curious to to get your your opinion on. So let, let's start with with dog number one. It's a, as the sports books like to call it, this is the, the game that you put in the corner of the sports bar where the, the, the degenerates are sitting and not on the main screen where the rest can, of the- Can I is. guess what game it is? Yes, please. Is it Jacksonville and Washington? It is, it is Jacksonville yes. in Washington. Yes. What yes. a dynamic matchup that's going to be um, <laughs> between the Jags and the Commanders, what the opening season game for the Washington Commanders in Maryland. Jags have gone from a four-point uh, underdog, has since moved up a point to three. I think that's the right move. I like Jacksonville on the road to win that game. Remember, in, in week one games over the last couple of years, they've actually been pretty good. Now, again, you don't actually take that with a whole lot of grain of, of, of seriousness, but it's still a Washington team that's 
trying to figure themselves out on both sides of the ball. Chase Young isn't going to be back. We have no idea what Carson Wentz is going to look like. Um, you have McLaurin, you have Jahan Dotson, but right now the running game kind of feels like it's in a bit of shambles. Obviously a, a tragic situation with, with what's going on with Brian Robinson right now, but I have zero confidence in their offensive line. Uh, Jacksonville is a team that, Werner, and we've talked about this on the show, we kind of feel like they're going to, once now that they have an adult in the room, they're going to start playing a lot more confidently, and you're going to see a side to Trevor Lawrence that I think many of us expected last year that we just never got because Urban Meyer was coaching that team. Like, I don't think they're he just wasn't coaching that underdog. I think they're live this week. Yeah, I, I take them to at least, I think, the cover, and they might even win. Like, I I don't know. I mean, does anyone real like Carson Wentz, he might have PTSD from the last time he played Jacksonville. So, you betting on them? I'm not betting on Washington. They might win. I could see that being like 21-20 or something. But I I would just take the points in the game. I just think it'll be a very close game. So I would take the points. Yeah, I like that plus three. I don't know what the over-under is at. But if it's over 42, I would probably rip that under. But plus three definitely feels like a solid lock for, for Jacksonville. I have to double check on on what that uh, the latest over under is for for that game, but yeah, I, I think it's good that we're on the same page there. Uh, it's uh, over is forty four, so you're, it sounds like you're going under for uh, for that game between Jacksonville and Washington Sterling. I, that, that's also the under, by the way, of how many shots you'll be drinking during that game. Um, <laughs> and I might I might take the over. It's uh, blackout. Okay, that right. that that could be. That could either be one of those games that's like weird and entertaining or like, oh my God, what is happening? And it's the third quarter and Wentz just rifled his third pick at a linebacker and it's just, it's complete chaos. Yeah, and and he also tends to just have really rough starts at beginnings of seasons anyway. Like a couple picks in the early going in, in Washington and already gets the booze. Um, that, that would be ideal. That would be a lot of fun for that one. All right, so that's first first uh, dog on the board. We all like Jacksonville plus three. Second one I like is another road dog in the New York Giants. Again, like these are two teams over the last couple of years that you'd want to stay away from as much as humanly possible. But uh, Giants getting six points on the road against Tennessee. I, I think you're going to see a competent offense in New York this year. Like they still have a lot of quality offensive playmakers on that team. I think Daniel Jones is going to look much more competent this year under Brian Dable. Uh, Saquon Barkley, from all accounts, looks like he's very much ready to go, uh, looking healthy for the first time in about two years. Um, the defense still needs some work, but on the other side for Tennessee, uh, it's Derrick Henry, and, and you really are buying Ryan Tannehill into making plays with, with Traylon Burks, and Robert Woods is still nicked up coming from that ACL injury. I, I just don't trust Tennessee very much at all this year. And given the fact that they're at home, I think they're getting a couple extra points because of it. But I'd probably make this Giants plus three if I were setting the odds here, if I'm truly basing it off of talent. I, I think the Giants are getting too many points on the road. I'm going to be very brief with this. If you need help, blink twice. I I can't like I can't get there. I Plus three? Plus three? Really? <laughs> Maybe I move it to plus four. They, Giants should not be six point dogs against Tennessee. The Giants are atrocious. I, 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 I would argue. You're, but you're thinking about the Giants over the past several years. And the impact it has when you have a real ass coach. Like, I guess maybe I like it's not Dable. fair. Like, Dable, we don't know. 
We know like that he's Dable. a smart offensive coordinator, but we, he hasn't coached before on Mike Peterson. So maybe that's I, a fair counter-argument. I, I, no, I like Dable. I'm with you on Dable. Daniel Jones is the reason I am not taking these, these points because you say you make a good point. Tannehill, do you trust him to throw to the, the receivers? Yes. No, I don't. But I trust Henry to rush for about 200 yards, fresh as a daisy. And I also trust that Daniel Jones is going to throw three picks. So they will have field position. I I will normally week one, I always say it, games are weird, closer than you think, take the points. I'm rolling the other way here, though. I, I think Tennessee wins this game by like 10. I just don't. The Giants also have a ton of injuries. Kenny Galladay looks like he's very ready to retire based on his effort in the preseason. I'll take, I think it's Tennessee something like 27 17. And it's because they get a bunch of turnovers. All right. I like Dable, but Danny Dimes is worth a penny. Ain't no chance am I rolling with the Giants in anything. I'm out. Give me the Titans. And I'm not even high on the Titans. I talked about it earlier. Well, am I. <laughs> I, I don't think the Titans are a very good team. I think they maxed out last year when they had A.J. Brown, when he was at least healthy. They maxed. They're not a very good team, but they're better than the Giants. Right. The Giants are barely a football team. <laughs> Six points is a lot for a week one game. I, I think it'll be a little bit closer than most people anticipate. But again, fair counterpoints on, on your guys' end as well. Last one I have... Again, a bad team going up against a good team, but Texans plus eight and a half against the Colts. I can't figure this out, and, and maybe you guys have some insight into this. Frank Wright can't win week one games. Like, all throughout the entirety of his career, he has True. been a disaster in week one games, and you saw it last year, you saw the last couple of years. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They have not been able to get it done. They go into Houston. Uh, again, you can make the argument of whether or not you buy into to Lovey Smith as – somebody that can actually put some stability with Houston on a bad roster. But I, I do expect them to hang in there. And I think eight and a half, again, it's it's almost an automatic play in this early in the season at home against a good Colts team. Like that's a team that I am predicting to, to win the AFC South. Granted, it's not a great division, I but I, I'm rolling with the Texans here plus eight and a half. I, I'm with you here. I would take the Texans plus eight and a half. The Texans, they were, like, sneaky competitive at the end of the year last year. They beat the Chargers. They almost beat Tennessee in a game where they were getting blown out early and they came roaring back. I remember in Kansas City, people were going nuts. They would have meant the one seed. Um, I- I'm with you on this one. I would take the Texans to cover. The other thing with the Colts is, I just, look, I like the Colts. I'm with you. I think they win the division. I do think the Colts are unlimited offensively. I do not think this is going to be a team that's going 30 a game. I like no, Ryan. I He's an upgrade over Wentz. Jonathan Taylor is great. They don't have anybody in the passing game who you're like, that guy's an elite player. I like Pittman. He's a good player, but he's not a great player. I think the Colts are the type of team, they're going to milk the clock. They're going to play a ball control style. That doesn't lend itself to being a team that's going to cover huge spreads. Right. I, you know, Plus, you could just give up a meaningless touchdown. It's a backdoor cover. So I think it's something like 24 to, to 20. I think Houston's bad. But I think Houston will be in games for the most part this year. And I think Indy's good, but I don't think Indy's going to blow out a lot of teams. So I will take the Texans to cover. Yeah, the exact same reasons you guys just said. The Colts, they don't seem like a team that blows a lot of teams out. They're going to win a lot of games, or at least a decent amount of games. I as well have them winning their division. But they're not going to blow teams out. I like Davis Mills. I I do think Davis Mills is a little underrated. I know he's not spectacular, but I don't think he's some dumpster fire. 
He'll take care of the football. And I think it will be a close game, even though they're not going to win a lot of games. There, there's some nice players on that team. The guy that they drafted, the, the running back, and Pierce looks like he's yeah. going to be a really solid player. Uh, Brandon Cooks has quietly put up some really nice numbers over the course of his career. Had a very good season in Houston uh, last year. Um, you know, they're they're looking at Nico Collins, who's really started to to put together some some good numbers there. Like, I, I think they're kind of like what we saw from Detroit a season ago, where you know the Lions actually had one of the best records against the spread in the NFL. They finished fourth against the spread, eleven six and zero. So they covered just under sixty five percent of their games. Like it wouldn't surprise me with kind of the way that the Houston Texans like to operate. A lot of running the ball, a lot of a lot of play action, uh, defense having some takeaways with Lovey Smith's system, Ben did not break out of defense. Like they're not gonna be good, but I do think they're gonna cover a lot more games than people expect them to. I know we're running against the hard out because I, I, I gotta I gotta get out of here in a few minutes. The damn damn roofers coming over. That's neither here nor there. Um what is the line? For uh, you know, storms in the Midwest, my God, it's unbelievable. People in the Midwest who grew up here are like, oh, look at that. It's a little bit of wind. Meanwhile, like half the house is blown off. <laughs> um, so uh, thankfully, it wasn't really that bad. Mostly just to check on something. But in any event, what is the line for the Jets-Ravens game? Because whatever it is, that's my lock of the week for the Ravens. Yeah, Ravens are minus seven on the road against the oh, Jets. Oh, my God. It's fine. Mm. Fine. That's fine. Take it. I I. The Ravens have a history of beating the hell out of bad teams, and they have a history in the right. Like a couple of years ago, they went on the road in Miami and, and hung some ungodly amount of points on Miami in Week One. It was like fifty six or something. The Ravens, that team, when they play teams that are outmatched, they kill them. They don't just win by seven or ten; they win by 20, 24 points. And the Jets are going to counter with Joe Flacco in that game. Oh, oh yeah. Like you, you give me, and I know there are some Jet fans I've even heard from. If you're like, oh, you just hate the Jets, I don't, I don't care about the Jets. Nobody does. I look, I would bet a life savings. And please, by the way, don't out, don't do that out there. Don't, don't do that. But I would be very confident. This is going to be like, oh, look, the Ravens won thirty-five to thirteen. Like that's what that game feels like. No doubt. And by the way, if you want to take that game and do it in a two-team teaser. Do it with the 49ers on the road against the Bears. Bring those numbers down to minus one for each game, and both of them have to win. So it's basically a pick them. You take the Ravens, you take the Bears to win by at least one, and then you're good to go. I'm not taking the Bears to win anything. No, no, no. I'm talking about the – I'm sorry, the 49ers. I was gonna 49ers say, go from minus seven to minus one in the two, in the two teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, I got you. Don't yeah. take the Bears to win. As a Trey Lance uh, truther, I'm all in. I love it. I, I know we got the heart out, but I, I think you guys will appreciate this. My, my, my buddy Brian sent me a video of his two-and-a-half-year-old son. My brother Brian's a big Bears fan, like, like I am. And he just says, you know, Noah, are you excited to watch the Bears this year? Thinking like he's going to be excited. He goes, no Bears, Chief. <laughs> the smart kid. Kid knows. Very smart kid. Yeah, I'm not putting that on my kids at all. No, I wouldn't. I would. You live in Kansas City. My God, get him a Mahomes jersey and call it a day. Well, this this is an easy decision for me. Yes. Sir, thank you for coming in and laying the knowledge down for week one. Of course, people can check you out on the Daily Bet Slip and can also check you out on betsided.com. As always, and next week we can do even more week one games as we're here. We're finally here. We have no more preseason craft to wade through. So awesome times for everybody involved. All right, fellas. We'll talk to you soon. Verterim, you and I are talking on Thursday. 
as well for a going little tomorrow. Going on Wednesday. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Don't don't misinform the people. Wednesday, Arrowhead Addict. That's right. We're gonna break down Chiefs betting and uh it's gonna be it's gonna be something uh really special. No, Hunters is Thursday. Shit, now I'm misinformed. But you know what? Thursday part hey of legal sports betting in the in the great state. It's of Thursday, right, 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 because it's the opening of gambling. Correct, 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 correct. You were right. I was wrong. I'm an asshole. It's Thursday. Okay. Man, I'm doing so I'm doing Arrowhead Addict twice on Thursday. Man, I'm gonna be busy. All right, hey, we're doing it on Thursday. I'll see you then, Heisler. All right, boys. All right, all right. Now that now that we've settled that, that's good. It's good. I, it means I yeah, don't show up. I'm, I'm glad you actually know what day you're going to be talking it's the first, sports, betting, all this stuff on. It's the first damn show that we've ever done. I, I don't even know what I'm doing yet. I thought it was Wednesday. It's Thursday. What the heck? It's this week. Okay. So join us on Thursday. Be nice if I could figure that out. It's a good thing, though, I found out. Now I don't have to get ready for Wednesday. Um, I got an extra day to prepare. So that's good news. All right. As we run it short on time here, somebody's probably climbing on my roof as we speak. What, uh, well, actually, I hope not. But uh, what, uh, what, what's going on in your life? What, what's happening in uh, the life of Sterling Holmes? Uh, Mizzou football is about to start. So that way, that pain can overtake the pain of watching the Kansas City Royals all season long. So basically, yeah. just swapping out pain for pain. Uh, hopefully, the Chiefs don't start slow. At least I'll have one team I can be excited about. Um, besides that, not a whole bunch. Uh, went to the Lake of the Ozarks a couple weeks ago. Uh, found out that peach shots are not good at 2 a.m. when you have a tea time at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, fun fact, Shady Gators, they will get you. Yeah, not, not a great idea. I, but I'm learning, okay? That's just a learning process you got to go through. Those rum runners, they're smooth. But besides how, that. How old are you? I'm 28, man. I am yeah. I'm struggling now. All right, fair enough. I remember I learned that lesson the hard way, not rum runners, but I learned that with uh, Fireball in Albany when I was about 25. And I remember waking up on my buddy's floor, and I, you know, I was on, I was on a mattress, an air mattress. Sure. But I was on the floor, and I wake up, and my buddy who went harder in the paint than, than I did that evening, um, which was a feat, was in the bathroom. And all I can see is the doors open, and he's like clearly like kneeling on one knee in front of the toilet. And all I can, I can see him like, "Why, God, why?" And he just broke. Like, <laughs> like, Yo, man, I'm done. Like, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't. You know, like from eight. Oh no, excuse me. From twenty one, twenty five. Okay, I got it all in. And that day, I remember sitting there, and I'm like, it was actually the morning of the Packers Seahawks uh, NFC Championship game. It was that game. Oh. And I just remember sitting there. I'm like, man, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm going to die. Like, this is, I feel like such crap. And that was, that was it. That was the end. But uh, now I, I, I try to keep it to, uh, you know, a minimum. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that, that, that'll happen. That'll happen. I always enjoyed those golf tournaments where, like, you'd go and, like, your buddy's dad worked in a company or something. But, yeah, you want to come out and be part of the force. But, yeah, sure, what the hell. You get there at 7 a.m. and some like 68 year old guy would be driving by in a golf cart and be, here comes the vodka train. Yeah. Like, All right. Um, He's got so, a Yeti, one of those Yeti glasses just full of vodka lemonades. And you take oh, one yeah. sip and it's 90% vodka. It's, and you're it's like, all free. Dude. It's all comp by the company because it's some charity event. And it's just you're like, <laughs> you're like, oh my God, like it's 7 a.m. And you know, I just. Didn't, chain didn't, smoking didn't, cigars just chain smoking them yeah yeah 
Oh, 100%. And then, you know, you get to like 11 o'clock in the morning, you'd see that person on like the 10th green, just like, just like urinating in a bunker. <laughs> I can't get to the bathroom. All right. All right. Good. I'm glad this is for charity. Way to go. <laughs> for um, the kids. It's for the kids. Right. We're doing this for the children. Okay. <laughs> I just, just an absolute, like the guy you didn't want to get anywhere near the tee box. And you're like, might hold on to the club. He might not. In any event. Uh, nothing new really going on in my life. My oldest daughter, Maisie, started dance yesterday. That was fun. She enjoyed doing the ballet. She enjoyed doing the tap dancing. I had to come up with a scheme so she wouldn't be tap dancing on the wood floors of the house. Uh, I had to tell her that it would ruin her shoes. Uh, I hate lying to the kids, but I also like my sanity. So we had to roll with that. Other than that, man, I'm just glad we're, we're getting a real football. Thank God. Look, preseason, it's like you're always excited for it. I'm like, yeah, man, the Hall of Fame game. And then you watch three plays of it, and you're like, I'm good. I've seen enough. <laughs> this is horrible. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad we got real football. I'm glad you joined us for, for the year here on Stack the Box moving forward. So welcome aboard. Thanks so much for being here, man. Really appreciate it. It'll be fun. Uh, and, and, look, if you like Sterling and I, first of all, seek, seek counseling. Second of all, um, you're going to get plenty of us here every Tuesday and then Sundays on Arrowhead Addict together. Of course, you'll be on Arrowhead Addict on Tuesday. I'll be there many times, apparently, on Thursday. So I'm ready to go. Um, but, uh, hey, listen, really enjoyed this. For Sterling Holmes, I'm Matt Verderam. This has been Stacking the Box. We'll talk to you again next week. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars limited time only price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer single item at regular price Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.